0: Very good. Would you open your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of John? We're going to look at chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. Page 1,241, if you're using that Bible under the seat in front of you. Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Father, we thank you for this beautiful moment this morning, this opportunity to worship you, to learn of you and what you're doing in this community. So wonderful to know your love and your grace. And Lord, encourage us this morning to be not only recipients of your love, but those who display your love and give out your love in wonderful, practical ways. Speak to us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at these very important, powerful words That Jesus himself spoke to his people. To us, Jesus says in verse 34, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So Jesus issued a brand new commandment in those two verses. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Now, question, what makes this commandment new? God has always expected his people to love people. He's always expected that. In the Old Testament, way back in the law, Leviticus chapter 19, the Lord said, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Way back in the Old Testament, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus confirmed that Old Testament teaching In his New Testament ministry, when he also quoted from there, saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, it's always been commanded of God's people to love people. And yet, here Jesus says a new commandment. What makes this new? Well, for one, this commandment was given to a new very special group of people on planet earth. Remember the context in which Jesus gave this commandment in chapters 13 through 16. He's in the upper room having a private Passover meal with his close disciples. By the time he gives this new commandment, he's speaking to 11 Apostles, Judas is left to do his thing. Jesus is sharing his heart with those 11 guys. And this is sort of like his last meal with them. Within hours of this, he'll be arrested in Gethsemane. And he'll face the horrors of crucifixion. These are his last words to those 11 guys. And understand, those 11 men were the nucleus. ...of what would become a very special group of people on the earth... ...a group of people known as the church. Those 11 guys would be the first members of the church... ...along with others who were gathered again in the upper room... ...on the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit is poured out. These guys would be the first leaders... ...the first pastors of the early church... And this church was always in the plan of God, this special family. In fact, Jesus said to Peter in Matthew 16, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So this is a specific new commandment for the church. Now, as you know, the church has grown significantly over the last 2,000 years. It's become global. It's comprised of all people worldwide who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. All those who have been saved through faith in Jesus Christ are members of the church. The church is not a building, although every now and then, and I'm guilty of this, I'll say, hey, I'll meet you in the church. The church is not a building. The people in the building are the church. And I would want you to know this morning that if you are a born-again Christian, you are very, very privileged to be a part of that special family. And Jesus gave you a commandment. You are to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. And the way I read the scripture, our love for one another as members in the body of Christ should be more deeper and even more significant than our general love for other people. We are to have the tightest relationships in the church. You are to love your brothers and your sisters in Christ. In fact, Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of the faith. So understand that. That's a very important priority in your life as a Christian. To love your brothers and your sisters in Christ. That's got to be a major part of your life. So it's a new commandment for this new family. This commandment is also new because it speaks of a new measure of love. A new kind of love. A new quality of love. Jesus is speaking about a love here that had not been seen prior. In fact, it's interesting, the, Greek word ha- the, the, the New Testament has two Greek words that are translated new. One is neos, which speaks of something that's new in time, chronologically. And the other Greek word is kinos, which speaks of something that is brand new, fresh, like never been seen before. First time, new quality. And that's the Greek word that's used here. Jesus is speaking of a kinos love. Something completely different. Do you remember the first cell phones that came out? Some of you probably don't. Some of you were just born when they first came out and you have no idea. But remember, they were like those bricks. Two hands. I mean, you couldn't text and drive with those babies, right? Those were the original cell phones. Fifteen years ago, the first iPhone came out. And that was new in time, but it was also new in quality. Nobody had ever seen anything like that. Now you have computer access, you have the phone, you have internet, you have all the smartness of a smartphone. Kind of something brand new, a reinvention That's what Jesus is speaking about here. Jesus is redefining love. He's speaking of a higher quality of love. And here's the responsibility for us now. As members of the church, we don't just love one another as we love ourselves. Now we're to love one another as Christ... Loved us. The highest kind of love. The most supernatural kind of love. How does Jesus love you? How does Jesus love us? Man, we could, we could spend weeks on that, couldn't we? His love is so great. The love of Jesus is unchanging, it's constant, it never cools off. He loves you just as much today as he did yesterday. You know, sometimes in human relationships, as they go on, you get more and more familiar and the love sort of cools off. Not with Christ. His love for you is solid, constant. In fact, we're told in Lamentations chapter 3, because of the Lord's great love for us, we're not consumed because his compassions are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God's love for you is constant. The love of Christ is unconditional. Completely unconditional. It's not like when you're having a real good day as a Christian, Jesus goes, Real, I really love you today. And then next week, you don't do so good as a Christian, and Jesus says, Well, I'm not so sure how much I love you today. It's non conditional, it's unconditional. The love of Jesus is not dependent upon your status or position in society. He loves you regardless of race, economics, politics, influence. Jesus showed us that. So clearly in his public ministry. Jesus loved the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus loved the pious Pharisee named Nicodemus. He loved the rich. He loved the poor. He loved the Jew. He loved the Gentile. He loved the sinners. The tax collectors. He loved the lepers. The sick. He even loved his enemies. He loved Judas Iscariot. To the very end. Luke tells us when they had come to a place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And Jesus said, as they're crucifying him, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. His love is unconditional. Richard Halverson said, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. His love is unconditional, impartial, everlasting, infinite, perfect. That's how Jesus loves you. It's constant, it's secure, it's unconditional. The love of Jesus is active, it's selfless, it's visible, it's practical. Again, you look in the ministry of Jesus, and he healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He served people. In fact, when John chapter 13 opens up, they're seated around the Passover table, and they're all sitting at the table with dirty feet. And you remember what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, did. Stood up from the table, took off his outer garment, put on a servant's robe, took a bucket of water, went around that table, stooped, and washed the stinky, dirty feet of those men. That's how Jesus loves. It's practical. It's active. It's visible. And then most importantly, the love of Jesus is completely sacrificial. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus willingly gave himself out of love for sinners like you and me. He went to the cross. He took our sins. He died in our place. Jesus said in John chapter 15, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. No one has ever sacrificed more for you than Jesus, the Son of God. His love was sacrificial. In St. Paul's Cathedral, London, is a life-sized marble statue of Christ writhing in anguish on the cross. And the statue is subscribed, this is how God loved the world. A son writhing in anguish on the cross for those who didn't deserve it. That's the love of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek his own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never Fails. That is the love of Christ. That is how Jesus loves. That is how Jesus has loved you. That is how Jesus loves those members of his body. He loves you. There's no greater love. His love is greater than that of a spouse, a parent, a child. A friend. His love is supernatural. It's unfathomable. And Jesus has said. Jesus has commanded. That is exactly how you and I are to love one another. We are to have that miraculous love. In our relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ. Which means. Your love for your brother and sister in Christ should be constant. Your love should be unconditional. Your love should be regardless of what. Status or position somebody has in society shouldn't matter. Your love should be active, practical, one of serving. Your love should be sacrificial. Your love should be miraculously forgiving. That is how we are to love one another. And by the way, Jesus didn't say, a new suggestion I give to you. What did he say? It's a new commandment. Gang, this is big time important in your life as a born again Christian. To have that deep relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And to enjoy that mutual love with one another. In fact, Jesus said that this type of love will be the distinguishing mark of the people that make up his church. Verse 35, he said, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus didn't say all men will know that you are my disciples by your church buildings. He didn't say all men will know that you're my disciples by your preaching. By your worship. By your activity, programs. He didn't say that. He said, all men will know that you're my disciples by that miraculous love that you have with one another. So gang, listen, this is so important. This, is a, this should be a characteristic of you, it certainly was a characteristic of the early church. Tortullian reported in the late second century what the pagans were saying about the Christians in his day. He said, and I quote, "See how these Christians love one another, how ready they are to die for one another. Their mutual love was the magnet which drew the pagan multitudes to Christ, and it has the potential To do so still. People look in on the church and the way we love each other and they want in. They want in. God forbid that people look in the church from the outside and see a bunch of people fighting. Backbiting. I mean you can get that out in corporate America, right? You can get that out in the neighborhoods of the world. Not in the body of Christ. Gang, listen. There has got to be this awareness. Of who we're to be with one another. In the body of Christ. And we treat each other extremely special. And we love one another. For the sake of our testimony. So. Over the last several weeks we've been speaking about how to be good witnesses for Jesus Christ just as personal Christians and remember we've talked about if you want to lead others to Christ first of all you got to you got to live that solid consistent Christian life in the midst of that non-believing community you got to walk in wisdom towards non-believers live a fruitful Christian life live differently speak differently Last week we talked about how as Christians we're to be those beacons of hope. You're the man or woman of God in, in, in your sphere of influence and everyone they see you as hopeful. You've got the, the answers. You've got the, the words of hope. People notice that. And then they come and they ask you what makes you different and you share the gospel. Well, here's another way to be a witness for Jesus. Love. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Let them see real love in operation. Now, this is a love that is supernatural, it is spectacular, it is miraculous, and I'll just say it it's a love that I'm unable to do in my own strength. And it really is a love. That's too hard for us to do in our own power. But here's the deal. Jesus instituted a new family. Gave them a new commandment to love in a new way. And he also gave us a brand new power. A power that goes way beyond our own. When you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ as you know. Your sins are forgiven and the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence in you. And he gives you the power to love supernaturally. Romans chapter 5. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The Holy Spirit in you is a wellspring. Of love. Waiting to gush forward. And so no, this isn't something that you're supposed to conjure up on your own. Try harder at. It's something where you're to become more and more aware. Of the presence of God in your life. How much he loves you. And taking that all in will help you to love others sacrificially, supernaturally. This is such an important part of our lives as Christians. And I, I just want to really encourage all of us this morning about our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ. It really is so important that you have this tight-knit Community with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And I will tell you that in, in, in the church in America, it's very easy to come to a public worship service, you know, every week, and go out and do whatever, but there needs to be this moment in your life where you become aware of this responsibility in your life, which is to love your brothers and sisters in Christ in a deep, practical, consistent way. Now, that doesn't mean that we can do that with everybody. And a type of love and a relationship like that is not possible with a lot of people. I mean, we see each other here at church week in and week out, and we're encouragers and do the best we can, but we don't have that deep level, all of us together. And so I want to encourage you, find one. Every one of us should have that small group of brothers and sisters in Christ that we do life with. That we call when we're in trouble. Whatever that might be, they call you when they're in trouble. You pray for each other and you know each other. You're living life together. We need that support. Really, that's how we can only really show this type of love. You have to have that group. So we've been doing the engagement project on Wednesday nights. And this last Wednesday, Dell Tackett, who's the leader of that, mentioned how he's been a part of what he's called a life group for many years. So he and his wife have been tight with four other couples for most of their lives. And he said, We all plan to grow old together. And then he said, Because I'm already old, we also plan to die together, meaning not together all at once. But he said something that I really thought about, you know. He said, When I die, this life group that I know is going to be there for my wife. Financially, practically? I just thought, man, that is amazing. A lot of families don't even have that. Do you have something like that? Do you have go-to people in your life who are brothers and sisters in Christ? I believe Christians should reserve their closest relationships for other Christians. And you be tight. My parents. Have had the same group that they've met with. For 30 years. A few couples. They all attend different churches. But they meet together every Monday night. And they share their burdens. They've been walking together. They've been praying. For. Grandchildren. Before there ever were grandchildren. Supporting each other through the. Ups and downs of life. Do you have that? Do you have that tight love one another? Look at what Jesus did in during his public ministry. Jesus had uh, multitudes flocking around him. He had lots of people that would come to see him. He wasn't tight with all of them. And then you look and there was a group of 120, it says, that would follow Jesus a little bit closer. And and that was good, but he wasn't tight with all of them. And then there were 12. And those 12 were much closer. But if you examine the scripture, the gospels, there were three that were even the closest, Peter, James, and John. And the model of Jesus is to really get to know a small group well and to have that in your life and to see that as something that is necessary and important. Big part of being Christians, being healthy in your walk with the Lord. So I want to encourage you to find that. Now, some of you might say, well, I don't, I don't have that. Well, have you tried? Start meeting people. You know, over the last couple years, actually the last three or four years, I've really, the Lord has just really put it in my heart to really get after these small groups. Because we need that. In our men's group, we have small groups. The women's, small groups. Silver courts, small groups. You need that. And I would highly encourage you to pursue that. And let that love be so beautiful. And let it shine for Christ. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes. Father, we give you this area in our lives. Forgive us when sometimes, well, a lot of times we live our lives so selfishly. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to pour our lives into others, to find that tight-knit group. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that we would be able to love one another as you have loved us. And then, Father, I want to pray for anyone here this morning. Do you know that love of Christ? Have you experienced that love of Christ for you with your heads bowed, your eyes closed? Have Do you know how much Jesus loves you? What he's done for you. That he died on the cross for your sins. So your sins could be washed away and you could become a brand new creation. Have you become a member of that very special group called the church. It comes through faith. In Christ who died on the cross for you. And if you have not yet received him as your Lord and Savior. I want you to have an opportunity right now. You. You, you humble yourselves before him. You admit your sinfulness. You cry out to him to save you. You receive him as your Lord and Savior personally. If that's you, I'm going to lead you in the prayer right now. Just right where you sit. Right in the quietness of your heart. God can hear this cry from your heart. If that's you, just cry out, Lord Jesus, I, I want to be in your family. I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven of all my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Wash them away. Thank you for your great love. So save me. Come into my life. And fill me with your spirit. And help me to love others the way you have loved me. In Jesus' name, amen.